Oh, well, hello, Ambush, and welcome to this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Here with me, your host of the DTP, I'm Colton G, and today on the show, we're joined by singer, song, writer, Jordan Hart, as we dive into his day. Bu EP only pieces of the truth. And of course, we're going to dive into the road, the process that has led Jordan to this point from the decision to leave music studies in the university in that post-secondary form to instead pursue music studies through performance to take the chance on himself to go around North America, around Canada, as a performing busker. And then from there, how does Jordan progress from performing on the streets into the studio world, into taking these songs that he had been performing for passerbys and putting them onto an actual track? We're going to talk about some of the songs that are included on Only Pieces of the Truth, including that title track as well. We're going to talk about Jordan's first music video, which is very exciting. And we're going to talk about, oh, so much more as well in this episode of the Desert Tiger podcast. And it's all brought to you today by Desert Tiger Merch dot com where you go to copy yourself something to represent the show everywhere your wonderful beautiful face goes oh yes and it's also brought to you by the hero makers podcast bringing you lively conversations on important topics inspiring a change in the world one act one word one dream at a time and you can find them by looking up the hero makers podcast in your favorite podcast app or service all right and now drum roll please because it is time to jump into this conversation with jordan hart let's go the desert tiger podcast hey colton Hello, Jordan. How's it going? Really well. How are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day here in BC, so I, I can never complain with that. Man, I'm jealous. Are you right in Vancouver? Uh, I'm in Kamloops, so a little bit north of Vancouver, but still, can't complain. No doubt. I love Kamloops a lot. I lived in Vancouver for a couple of years, and a lot of friends of mine lived in Kamloops. Oh, nice, nice. You're in Toronto now, correct? Actually, right now, in this moment, I'm in Edmonton. I'm spending the quarantine with with my mom and dad. Mom and dad at their place just because uh, there's not a lot of reason to be downtown it's in a 600-square-foot apartment right now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just came here to spread out a bit and spend some time with the folks that I wouldn't have already been able to spend otherwise. Fair, fair. Sometimes, too, returning to your roots allows you to uh, find some inspiration that maybe, you know, you haven't had in a little while as well. So. Yeah. You never know what that opportunity can open up, right? Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for taking the time to do this, man. I really appreciate you having me on, though. Hey, no worries. No worries. Thank you for taking the time to uh, join me today so we can dive a little bit behind your journey here, this upcoming EP. 
Yes, sir. I'm excited. All right. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. It seems like it's been uh, quite a few years of a buildup here. So are you ready to dive into this? I am. Let's do it. All right. All right. So like I said, it's been a little bit of a uh, build up here. You initially went to school, but then for music production to take a little bit more of that in, but decided that the performing route was a little bit more what your heart desired. So what was that process like? And then taking that out and actually performing, busking. Take us behind that. Well, it was, uh, I've always been an incredibly passionate person and I, I pursue the things that I pursue with all my heart, but that sometimes gets, a, gets in the way of, um, I, I don't know, maybe a wiser course of action. I believe, I believe that the, the route that I did choose was for the best in, in the end, especially for me. But certain things I did along the way maybe were unnecessary. For example, in all of my classes, especially in post-secondary school, I had must have been, if not daily, every second day, an argument with my professors about <laughs> the way they were teaching the class and the way that I wanted to learn. And, and at the time, I believed that the way that I would have taught music and performance was the only way, which is obviously not true. And um, I think I spent more time trying to change the education system to, to fit my specific learning style than was necessary. And um, I do intend one day at one point in my life to create an education platform that helps students like, like I was at the time. But um, yeah, at, at the time, there, there, I didn't know, I know of any that existed that, that were kind of what I was looking for. So I decided to um, just take it into my own hands and learn on the fly. And how I did that was primarily through busking, as, as you implied. And how that came about was actually um, this amazing woman named Barbara McGee, who was in charge of the passenger experience department of the Edmonton International Airport, um, reached out to a couple of uh, young artists, uh, and I was one of them, luckily enough, to come into the Edmonton Airport and busk for four hours at a time for these, these sessions. Uh, they also paid us in the beginning, which was amazing because I wasn't the best busker back then. And um, eventually, I, I fell in love with it. I, I loved the experience of playing for people that were, weren't expecting it. And the main reason was just because it was such a clear and unfiltered, um, rep, I, I guess, audience. Like they, they, The way that they responded to your music was the way that they wanted to respond. They hadn't invested in you being good by buying a ticket yet. They didn't expect to hear you. They, they had no expectations what, one way or another. And they were very clear if you annoyed them. And they were very clear if you if they appreciated you. So it was uh, I learned a lot from that. What was working, what wasn't, and and the audience didn't hide uh, what they were feeling, which was great. And uh, it got to the point where I was actually busking two four hour back to back sessions um, some days for eight hours a day for like five days a week, and I just did nothing else and uh, cut my chops really quickly there and decided that I was going to busk around the world. Got a little mini uh, travel guitar and a hiker's backpack and intended to busk around the entire world, or at least uh, North America to start. And um, I guess this was there that I arrived in Vancouver and had a success that I decided to stay for a while. Lived there for a couple of years. Okay, so it didn't take you around the world, but it at least took you across different parts of Canada then. That's right, yeah. Okay, awesome, awesome. So... From there, it's how do we transition into building a career? Because as you say, you're learning a lot of the 
live performance aspects of this industry and you're also getting a lot of songwriting time but you haven't really taken some time for the studio maybe unless you had a home studio or what happens to be that time so how do you transition from being out busking eight hours a day into actually recording your own music well, I, um, during college, I was fortunate enough to meet a friend of mine who was a, an accomplished producer even before he came to, to school. And he showed me the ropes of Logic and just kind of introduced me to a couple of his favorite VSTs, especially orchestral programs. And uh, I just started to, to compose different things. I, I did a, a score for a friend of mine who, who was producing a live play and um, had, a, had a couple of different opportunities to sort of make music for other people um, in, my, in my productions. But it never occurred to me that I was, you know, to call myself a producer. I, I, I was a live performer and a songwriter. And that's how I always kind of identified myself, at least the most successful parts of myself. But the story kind of takes me, when I, when I arrived in Vancouver, I, I guess a long story short, I met this investor. He introduced me to a producer. Uh, he had this very clear idea of where he wanted me to go musically. Um, and introduced me to a high-powered manager at the time. And I, without really knowing what I wanted from music yet, I just knew that I wanted to build a career in it. I, I was all gung-ho about the process and, and gave everything I had to kind of their vision, not thinking too much about what it meant to me to be a musician or what, why I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. I wasn't quite aware of that quite that fully yet. So um, I had an opportunity to work with a bunch of producers they set me up with. We made an EP. In the end, it really didn't resonate with me. It didn't. I, I started to realize that this wasn't the kind of music that I wanted. This wasn't the kind of identity that I wanted to portray to the world. Um, moved to Toronto, met a bunch of other different producers along the way. It was kind of collaborating. They were all incredible producers. Like I, they're still some of my closest friends. Um, but no matter what, at the end of the day, collaborating with them, I, I was. I had this product that I didn't feel like represented me enough to want to release it as my first debut um you know official recording and the whole time all this while i'm producing songs for other people creating my own demos um learning more and more kind of increasing my, my home studio setup i got like a u87 microphone invested in a great river electronic preamp which are two of like the pieces of equipment that are in my favorite studios in the world and um just learning a bit more about the technical technical side of this from all of these incredible mentors that i had in the production world but still never really considered myself a producer um my demos in hindsight were getting better and better and better and eventually i had the opportunity to send them to a record label um who had some of still have some of my favorite artist artists on their roster that i've ever heard like that i've been looking up to for decades and um i or at least a decade and i uh sent them some of my demos and they heard the stuff that I'd been producing with other people and the record that I'd produced on my own. And particularly this, this one guy who's quite a respected member of that label um, just mentioned to me that he preferred my, my own productions of my music and that he thought I was a great producer and was curious why I hadn't considered producing self-producing my first EP. And I just realized that it was because I still hadn't really considered myself as a producer, but I don't know, just like his confidence in me, somebody that I respected that much, um, just sort of switched my mindset. And I was like, man, I guess somewhere along the line, I really became a producer. And I decided to uh, to move forward with with the process of uh, my date for my debut EP, doing it all on my own. And uh, 
it was it was incredibly gratifying. Okay, okay. So now that you've come to the moments of deciding to produce your debut EP, what sort of energy did you try to capture inside of these songs? That's a really good question. So in the beginning, as a person who identified primarily as a live performer, the main thing I was trying to capture was the essence of the energy uh, of my live performances. And every time that I tried to do that, I failed. And I couldn't tell why. I wasn't sure if it was because I didn't have the live audience in front of me to actually be able to play to, or if it was, um, you know, something about the the recording studio that didn't bring the best out of me. Um, but no matter what, if I treated the studio like I treated a performance, it didn't resonate the same way. And eventually I realized that, for me at least, the studio is a completely different animal. And it happened when I started to record songs and write them at the same time. So I would be producing these songs at the same time as creating them. And those songs always um, were more successful. And I would send the demos out and people, people would always gravitate more towards those demos. But of course, I was, when I would perform the songs live, it was still the songs that I wrote for live performance that were resonating the most live. So I struggled for, for quite a long time trying to bridge that gap until I realized that my live performances don't need to be identical to my recording process. And I sort of allowed that space to happen. And so now I have a separate version for each song, one, one that I perform live and one, one that I record. And just allowing myself that space uh, really helped to um, bring these songs into a recording studio with an openness that allowed for it to, to breathe and become the best version of itself in both ways. So what I would often do is take a song that I, was so familiar with in a certain way with a certain guitar pattern or a certain piano groove um, that I'd be performing and I would just re-hit the drawing board start again instead of with the piano chords that would open up or the guitar strumming pattern I would just start with one note or one chord or a synth that I had never you know expected to start with and or change the guitar riff entirely and starting it from scratch just allowing that openness for it to become whatever it needed to be in the recording space as, a, as opposed to try to force it to be what it wanted to be, what, what I wanted it to be as a performance uh, piece. Uh, it, it made all the difference and allowed for like this new, natural, fresh energy to come into the studio space. Mm-hmm. And like you said, there's two different versions. It almost gives it an entirely different life and that helps to give that live performance a little more value to those who are lucky enough to be able to view that performance. It's mm, a beautiful way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited to get that opportunity again, man. I'm dying to get back out there. <laughs> I can only imagine after playing like 300 days a year to uh, <laughs> zero has got to be quite the change. Yeah. It's unreal. And I still can't figure out this whole virtual performance thing, man. It's, it's so awkward to like finish a song and just hear nothing kind of like you're seeing comments of people like, wow, that was great. But you just like, it feels like you're on your own. It's, it's a weird energy. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I, do I have time to go and like filter through these? Like right. how, yeah. how, how, what did everybody think? <laughs> and then when you're filtering through your face is like here and you're kind of like looking through the camera, <laughs> <laughs> like as you're going through the comments, like commenting, you're, you can just see that your nose is massive. <laughs> <laughs> still trying to get comfortable with it but uh, i just hope the pandemic ends this year so i can get out there again Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely well let's dive into a couple of these tracks off of this ep so let's dive off of the first single because of course that's your first piece yourself that you're releasing 
out into the world. So let's talk about I don't want to let you go and what it means to you, Jordan. I'm really glad that we started with I Don't Want to Let You Go because I think that it might be the most vulnerable song on the EP. At least it's the one that means the most to me. And it began when the night that I told the, a woman that I'd been falling in love with for six years how I felt about her. And from the moment I met her, we really connected. And she's a musician as well. And we always uh, would play music together, had this incredible musical connection where she, know, she knew where I was about to go musically before I even knew I was going to go there and vice versa. And we just, we played music together and, and built this connection over years and years and years. Um, and long story short, um, I didn't know the guy that she was with at the time that well until he, it was a long distance relationship and he came to visit her a couple times. And I just realized that he didn't treat her the way that I thought she deserved to be treated. And he just didn't value her or see her the way that I saw her. And eventually I, I decided to kind of ask her friends what they thought about the relationship and tell them that I had been falling in love with her. And they all gave me their seal of approval. They were all just basically like, we agree. It's not the best relationship for her. He doesn't appreciate her. And we would love to see the two of you together. And so with her friend's sort of seal of approval, I decided it wasn't too much of a risk to basically tell her how I felt, how I felt about her. And after this long day of deciding when to do it, when the right time was, it just kind of blurted out of me. And I, I told her how I felt and her face went white and she backed up and was so caught off guard and basically told us or told me, sorry, that there, that, that wasn't in the cards for us, that she didn't feel that way about me. And she was committed to the relationship that she had. And I got in my car, I drove to stanley park in vancouver where there's this bike tunnel where i used to go from time to time to just kind of get lost in the acoustics of the space and, and sing and i strummed two chords back and forth on my guitar and improvised uh, a song without thinking about it and as as you hear it on the record from front to back the song came out of me melody and lyrics and i hadn't written anything beforehand it was just like this spill out of my heart of the way that i was feeling and um, the, the story has a happy ending that she's actually now my wife, <laughs> the woman that I w wrote the song about, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really grateful that it happened in the way that it did. Um, and I'm really grateful that that energy was captured in this song. And it's really cool to be able to start from that place, to be able to have given that as the first example of, uh, of my music to my, to my audience. Wow. So I, uh, reshuffling of the deck seemed to be inside of the cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a really beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks, Colton. Wow, and uh, congratulations on being able to marry this woman that you felt so passionately about as well. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a COVID wedding. We just got married this, this summer, um, but I'm glad we did that too. It turned out for the best. Okay. Did you guys just do like a small ceremony? Did you live stream it? How did you handle that? Yeah. A bit of both. We, um, yeah, we had, we had to go through the whole process of, of who was going to come to the wedding, how many dishes we could afford. I've got a really big family, so it was quite a process. And we went through this like stressful planning period. And then uh, we had had everything set up. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and it just sent everything, <laughs> all of our work out the window. But it turned out to be a blessing because we got 
you know, the, the closest people in our lives day to day, um, all of them were able to come. We had a really small ceremony and we were able to like, I don't know, just feel each of their presences more than I feel like we would have otherwise if it was a bigger ceremony and a bigger reception. So um, it really just felt like a, a family, um, a really tight family community. And uh, yeah, we felt loved the whole day. It's uh, honestly, man, like it was, it couldn't have been more perfect. I'm glad that it was, it happened during the pandemic. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that it uh, worked out in your favor then. Yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome. So we dove off of the first track off of this new EP. I want to take a moment to dive a little bit more into the latest single that also came off of it, which also happens to be the title track for this album. Only pieces of the truth. So take us behind the single. What does it mean to Jordan Hart? Mm, well, this it's interesting that you chose these two songs because both of them actually came as an improvisation. And it's something that I've been sort of putting into the songwriting and, and recording process more and more these days is just sort of allowing myself to not come to the songwriting table with a concept, but instead just sort of open myself to the energy I'm feeling in that moment and diving headfirst into an improvisation. And it's not really something that I can describe that well. Um, but just as an example of what happens, I, I, I sort of just get into this state of mind where I'm not analyzing anything. I sort of shut the analytical part of my brain off as much as possible and enter this state of flow and get lost in this chord progression or this, this composition that I've created on Logic and just start to sing. And honestly, the best lyrics have just fallen out of my mouth that I've ever written. And, and they're lyrics that I, I definitely am not smart enough to have written intentionally. <laughs> So it's pretty cool like to see this this state of flow being more successful than my intentional songwriting process and and this was one of those songs. It happened when um my wife who was just my fiance at the time was was asleep and it was I think 2 or 3 in the morning and I couldn't sleep. And so I just started to record and had built this sort of electronic world that was inspired by some of the musicians I was listening to at the time and I really loved the energy that it was taking me to. And I had this melody idea. And it just happened to be really, really high, like at the top of my range. And the problem was I didn't want to wake up my wife in our 600 square foot apartment. And there's, you can hear a whisper no matter where you are in, in, in the entire space uh, from the opposite side of it. And so I turned the gain up all the way on my, on my preamp. I think I was using this mic at the time and I was like this close to it and sort of just like whispered this melody idea. And because I was trying to be so quiet, um, I don't know, it just, I guess, took me to this space um, that was incredibly intimate. And I ended up writing about something that I hadn't written about ever before. And um it was just a, a couple in my life who I'm incredibly close to who uh, have quite a history under their belt. And they have been, you know, to the depths of what it means to be in love with, with each other. Um, but through little things over a, a significant period of time, um, just building up, they sort of lost touch. And they're people I'm incredibly close to. And it was just really painful to see that separation and sort of behind talking to each one of them individually all they want is to get back to that original place where they felt connected but because of sort of the history and the pride that's veiling 
the relationship, they weren't, they're still not able to sort of bridge that gap. And it's quite a struggle to, to bridge. And so I just sort of put myself in the shoes of one of the members of that relationship and sang as I felt it felt to be him. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it came out honestly as beautifully as I could have imagined. And, um, I'm grateful for, for the ability to, to, uh, just release because the, some of the, the poetry in, in the song is some of my favorite that I've written. And, uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like I wrote it though. Honestly, it feels like it just kind of came from somewhere else. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the story behind that one. Oh, you're channeling an energy there. Yeah, it really feels that way. Awesome. Awesome. And it's, uh, it's sometimes as people, it's, we can be fantastic for each other and, Maybe there comes a time where maybe that moment doesn't exist, but maybe that moment can come again. Who knows what the future holds, right? Yeah, especially when both people talk so passionately about wanting to rebridge it. It's uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing how we let our pride get in the way. Even in little relationships like friendships, you know, I feel like as people we sort of we guard our heart unintentionally um, for fear of of it being rejected, maybe or fear of losing power in the relationship or something like that. And I feel like it's a universal thing where we we tend not to give our full selves over immediately, at least most of us, you know, but uh, I think almost all of us wish we could or, or want to be able to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're maybe a little guarded, whether that happens to be for past relationships or whatever the reasons happen to be. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Awesome. So with this song as well only pieces of the truth it also happens to be the first track that you've released an official music video for so what was it like to sort of have that big moment as an artist and take us behind sort of that artistic uh direction of that video man thank you for for asking i i met this incredible music video director she still happens to be my favorite music video director that i've ever seen the work of and it was through this uh incredible canadian artist that i follow named justin nozuka he's been somebody who i've been um really into for like a decade now and uh i just started to notice that his music videos all of a sudden became my favorite music videos that i had ever seen and i'm not necessarily somebody who's who's that passionately into many music videos but my i love my favorite ones and uh she started to just make all of my favorite ones like in a row back to back to back and i just the intentionality behind her camera work was something that just blew my mind and so i reached out to her on a whim just as somebody who had never really released music before and uh sent her the song and she loved it and she um offered to be a part of the process and through some conversations with her, we discovered that one of the coolest things that happened when I released my first two tracks was that this dance community from all around the world, um, especially contemporary dancers, resonated with the songs enough that they actually started to choreograph these beautiful pieces to them. And it was people that I had never met before, but it was happening all across the world, especially in North America, um, of like some incredible dancers, like high level performers and and they were tagging me and luckily tagging me in the videos so I could see their incredible work. And I noticed that, um, the, I guess the contemporary nature of my music lent, it, lent itself to that art sharing, uh, the sharing of that art form and the way that movement added to the story of the song was something that was beyond what you could sort of speak about. It was like a, uh, um, a physicalization, if that's a word, of, of the 
intention of the emotion of the of the story that spoke with every uh, um you know pictures worth a thousand world words but a picture that's moving in this in this way felt like it was worth ten thousand a hundred thousand and i just decided to sort of put my trust in the um this this incredible choreographer named lauren runyon's and the director who whose name is julia hendrickson and together they created this piece i sort of helped by um I guess encouraging the process along and, and sort of opening the door and and giving them feedback on what the song meant to me, but in a huge way, I sort of just allowed them to then take that and and create this video, um, especially as somebody who doesn't know a lot about dancing, um, other than I, I love it the way it makes me feel. Um, I yeah, I just sort of handed it over to them and they they handed me back this this beautiful video that honestly the first time that that Emily, my wife and I saw it both of us were in tears and um i'm just so grateful when, when we released it it was it was received so well by, by my listeners and by the dance community and uh, also off part of the film community and it's done really incredibly well like better than i could have ever hoped for uh my first music video to do so i'm uh grateful that i let the process happen in the way that it did mm-hmm. yes the reception has been very well the view counts doing incredible and of course as you mentioned the energy between these two dancers, um, as even as I was watching it earlier, my first watch through of the video from that first moment where you see the head brush across the chest and it's just like from right there, right away, I was like, ooh, I feel this moment. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. And it kind of invites you into this state of vulnerability with, with you know, you can sort of hear the vulnerability in my voice. Um, though it's masked by the recordings, you can't physically see me, but the place that the dancers went to this like unguarded, uh, representation of, of, of the emotion in the song is just like, yeah, so commendable. And I'm, I'm I'm glad it resonated with you, man. Thank you for saying that. Yes. I'm uh, very happy it resonated as well and that it continues to, and hopefully that energy goes forward into your more music videos and everything else that you continue to do in the future. So, I mean, I know it's a hard year to sort of say what the future holds. So what do you sort of have planned for the rest of 2021, the rest of this EP cycle? So I'm hoping that the pandemic clears up because now is the time that I would love to get back in front of people. I've spent so long in the recording studio and I actually am grateful to say that because of the pandemic, I not only have this first EP completed, but I've actually been working away in the studio since then and have a second EP that's almost 100% ready to be released. So I'm hoping to follow this EP up with a second one very soon. Um, but if I'm allowed, I would love to take any opportunity I have to perform, whether that's for a room full of 10 people or hundreds or thousands. I just want to get back in front of people and sing this music live and show that other side of this music that I intended when I, when I recorded to, uh, to have that addition of the live performance that I was talking about. But in lieu of that, I've actually been working with my brother, who's an incredible musician as well, and also a, a visual creator. So he specializes in events and, uh, event, like events doesn't, doesn't do it justice. He's doing like the, the most cutting edge events for, for companies like games, not GameStop, uh, what's the, like the biggest video game company in Canada and like some other incredible organizations that are just like kind of allowing him to take their members through these like once in a lifetime type opportunities or events where he kind of like puts the the uh participants in like another world 
And so with him and his incredible expertise, we're working on a virtual show that's unlike anything I've seen. Um, and I can't say too much about it to, uh, yet other than that we're planning to host it in April. And um, it's been something that I'm really excited about. And it will feature all the songs off of this EP in, in the order they were intended to be received in. And uh, we're creating a, a visual world to accompany each individual track, which I'm really excited for. Okay. Is your brother also helped you with the recent acoustic uh, video release for Only Pieces of the Truth as well, right? That's right. Yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed that as well. Just the uh, the landscape there. It's um, It must have been a little bit cold, a little bit uh, yeah. <laughs> numb on the fingers to play the guitar, but just the, once again, the energy that just the environment adds to the song is really wonderful. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's the most beautiful place I think that I've been, or at least it feels that way because it's the most unique. It's this place in Jasper called the Moline Canyon, and it was created by this ancient river running down this mountainside, and it carved this incredibly deep canyon into the uh, landscape. And of course, you can't go down there in the summer because it, the, the river is running and it's quite deep at points. Um, but in the winter, when it freezes over, you can actually go down and traverse the canyon and walk through this incredible space that makes you feel so small and uh yeah it was pretty cool to be able to play like right at the opening of that of that canyon um it was his idea actually and, and uh i think it just it just added a, a depth to the song that i i really appreciated i'm glad it resonated with you too awesome awesome it definitely has and i'm glad that this uh album's coming out i'm pretty sure it's gonna resonate with quite a few peoples and um I hope that it does well for you. So before I ask my last question, where can the listeners, the ambush, find out more about Jordan Hart? Uh, everything is at Jordan Hart Sound. So my last name is just H-A-R-T, Hart without the E. And the handle for Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, you name it, it's Jordan Hart Sound. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So last question. So we've talked about your growth as a musician. We've talked about a few other things as well. And now what I would like to know is how has this process of crafting this EP, the years that has gone into it, how has it helped you grow as a person or what has it helped you learn about yourself? Thanks for that question, man. And I just wanted to say it's been a pleasure to, to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, but the, the one thing that music's taught me, especially over the last three years, is that this, I guess, this sense of self-acceptance, um, I, th I think in the beginning of, of my career, since I, I was approaching it so passionately and, and wildly without sort of thinking any step through, um, it sort of, I guess, resulted in me always looking outward when I would create and trying to see how what I did resonated with specific people and judge or gauge where I should go next based on that. Because everyone has extremely different opinions, um, but they're very uh, eager to share them and they hold them as if they were truth. Um, and so some of my best friends who I'd be like everyone from my best friends to people I hardly know would, would feel comfortable enough to give me the exact opinion on what they felt about my music and what I should do differently. And it was all different. They all like specifically contradicted each other actually usually. 
And so eventually over the last three years, at some point, I just decided to trust myself as the only gauge that I would kind of follow. I, I love still sharing my music with people and seeing how, how it resonates, but I take it with a cubic meter of salt and um, just kind of allow myself to guide the process now. And the beautiful thing that happened is that whatever truthfully resonated with me is always what has resonated with the most people. And I'm realizing now that sharing music is such a complex thing. It, it's not just about what song resonates with this specific person. Or, I mean, it's, it's about like what, it's, it's not just about what song will resonate with everyone. It's, it's also about what specific people will resonate with each individual song, obviously. But then it's also what specific people in certain mind states that they happen to be in, in this hour that they're listening to your music and resonates with this specific song at this specific time. And so it's, it's impossible to gauge, but it's this beautiful uh, justice that exists where whatever sort of I felt the most in the creation process is what has done the best um, at when, once I'm sharing it. And uh, it's just, yeah, allowed me to sort of take that into the rest of my life as well. Just being okay with who I naturally am, not trying to put on a front, not trying to be anything be for the sake of trying to please people, but just allowing myself to be who I am. And it's, of course, incredible that music and life share that share this, that that tends to go over the best with, with the people I'm speaking with and the people I'm uh, sharing space with as well. Uh, so it's been a beautiful lesson to learn. Wow. That's a uh, really beautiful answer. Thank you. Uh, am. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with the incredible, the amazing Jordan Hart as we dove into his debut EP only, Pieces of the Truth which you can find in its entirety on your favorite music streaming service right now. When you're there, you might as well hit follow. This is just the debut. This is just the beginning. Jordan has so much more coming for you in the future. And now it's time to thank Jordan for coming and sharing this part of his journey here on the DTP with a roaring DTP, thank you. I have to thank the amazing Isabel from Strut Entertainment for helping with setting this conversation up. I have to thank your podcast editor.com for making this episode sound so amazing. And I have to thank you, The Ambush, for tuning into this episode of the DTP. If you're new, if you haven't joined the ambush yet, it's as easy as hitting the follow or subscribe button on the service you're listening to the show on. You can also help Desert Tiger grow by sharing this episode with your family, your friends, anyone who you really think would enjoy it. You can give the show a five-star review and please, please do over on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And you can also head on over to DesertTigerMerch.com to cop yourself something to represent the show everywhere you go. All right, next Friday on the show, we're joined by Tarek of the Blue Stones as we talk their new album, Hidden 
gems, but until then, I want you to go out, find your oasis, your mountaintop, the thing that makes your heart sing, your roar, and then let that roar out into the world and let them know just how wondrous, powerful, and beautiful you and your roar are capable of being because you're all three of those things and so much more. The Desert Tiger Podcast.